0: Welcome to Lakers Carpool. My name is James Brooks. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Well, the Lakers just fell to 1-1 one and one in the series against the Grizzlies, losing 103-93 in a pretty disappointing game all around from the Lakers, especially offensively. Defensively, I mean, we held them to 103 points, which is pretty good in, in, in theory. We gave up a lot of points in the paint, which was tough and kind of frustrating when you have Anthony Davis on the team and... The fact that we have some size on the team that Darvin Ham refuses to play. Just some questions there, right? Like, you know, why do we keep playing LeBron James, Rui Hachimura, Dennis Schroeder, Troy Brown Jr., and Malik Beasley in one unit together? No size, at least not not to go up against Jaron Jackson Jr., who they tend to leave in the game for that, to go up against that unit, which 100% makes sense, right, because he just destroys them. LeBron and Rui just aren't big enough to – stop him if he gets the ball in the paint I mean if you can push him out and keep him out of the paint force him to take threes then yeah that that's awesome but they're not doing that it's not working it's it's annoying um Anthony Davis was terrible offensively he to be fair a little you know to be at least somewhat fair especially in the second half they really started to double team him when the Lakers started to make any sort of push the Lakers got down by as many as 20 points in this game and made a bit of a run, got it within, like, six points in the fourth quarter and just couldn't get over the hump. So, like, we had a chance. We were there. John Morant didn't end up playing. There's – I mean, there's a lot to cover in this game. John Morant didn't end up playing. So we're playing against the Grizzlies without John Morant, without Steven Adams, without Brandon Clark, and Lakers couldn't get it done. To be fair, the Grizzlies have been really good without John Morant. Maybe this isn't surprising, but, like, they – they hum like a, a well-oiled machine without without John Morant. I think dating back to twenty the twenty twenty one playoffs or twenty twenty two playoffs, they're like thirty two and seventeen without him, which is much better than I would probably have assumed otherwise. So, in that sense, like okay, well the Grizzlies are, are just they play well with or without John Morant, which you know again it's just it's annoying that the Lakers squandered this game where they had a chance to really put their neck their 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 feet on the neck of the grizzlies so to speak um in the first quarter we only put in 19 points we ended up winning i don't know we didn't we got we just were terrible in the second half or the start of the first half 19 points in the first quarter did a little better 25 points in the second quarter but but got outscored 30 to 19 in the first quarter 29 to 25 in the second quarter only had 44 points at halftime um, just the offense just could not we couldn't figure anything out offensively couldn't hit shots it was just a mess so you know we turned things around a little bit in the third and fourth quarter we won both of those quarters but again just wasn't enough we got down by as many as 20 points in the at, at one point in the third quarter and just yeah Lakers didn't have enough to make a push didn't have enough shot making looking at the box score right you have Anthony Davis he went four for 14 only got 14 shots up 13 points on the night LeBron James led the way with the Lakers for 28 points. He was only 1 for 8 from 3, 12 for 23 from the field. Brie Hachimura had another big game off the bench, 20 points on 7 of 12 shooting. He stepped up again, which is huge. Austin Reeves struggled 12 points on 5 of 12 shooting. D'Angelo Russell struggled again, only 5 points on 2 of 11 shooting. So if there's any real anyone really to look at here, it's D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Davis just not getting it done offensively, not hitting shots, just having a really rough go at it and again like i mentioned they were double teaming anthony davis definitely at least in the second half and in parts of the first half where he just couldn't get anything going and props to the grizzlies for for executing on that defensive game plan to kind of force the ball out of anthony davis's hands now there's ways that anthony davis can can beat the double team right you can you could kind of like almost pick and roll out of the double team. You can obviously, I mean, obviously if he's being double teamed, then someone's open, right? Either LeBron James can be cutting to the rim, Austin Reeves, whoever's in the game, right? There's someone that's going to be open. Um, and, you know, in a lot of cases it was Rui again. That's why he was able to get 12 shots off, get 20 points. He went 50% from three again. And, yeah, just a just tough. And Darvin Hamm kind of, he shortened the bench rotation again. Right where he, pretty much everyone in the starting lineup got thirty plus minutes of playing time, except for Jared Vanderbilt who got twenty two minutes. Rui Hachimura got thirty two minutes, so you know he just was he had it going offensively. Jared Vanderbilt, it's tough. He's a really good defender, but his he's kind of a liability offensively in in a way, right? Like he's not. There were so many times where he would get he would cut and get the ball down low, and then just try and go up against Jaron Jackson Jr. in the paint and get stuffed. It happened at least twice, where. He, yeah, like, you know, in those cases, like, just pass it out or something, right? But he just got stuffed in the paint because he's trying to go try and go up against Jaron Jackson Jr. And it just wasn't working. He can't really hit threes. He's not really a shooter. Like, he just, unless he has a wide open dunk or an alley-oop or something, he's not going to put up a lot of points. So that's why Rui's getting those playing times. And Rui's been stepping up both offensively and defensively. It just sucks for him that he's in playing a unit where he's the big man going up against jaron jackson jr and even when anthony davis is in they do a lot of times have like like for instance anthony davis will cover tillman and Rui will cover jaron jackson jr so then if if triple j gets the ball and is going to the hoop you know anthony davis can kind of roam a little bit more except for in this case (laughs) xavier tillman had his Rui hachimura game where he went 10 for 13 from the field one for two from three with 22 points (laughs) leading leading scorer for the grizzlies which was insane and like going down the going down the the grizzlies lineup right 18 points from triple j 22 from tillman 12 from brooks 10 from jones 17 from desmond bain who you know he was six for 18 from the field one for six from three like not a great game for desmond bain and then you had 13 points off the bench for luke Kennard, who went three for four from three which is tough um, But, like, it wasn't, like, crazy. Like It wasn't like the Grizzlies were scoring out of their minds, right? They only scored 103 points. Lakers' defense, while it was bad at a lot of different times in the game, did their job at keeping the Grizzlies from, from scoring points. And when you don't have John Morant there, right, it's like they don't really have – I mean, I, I know Jaron Jackson Jr. put up 31 points last game, but, like, they don't really have a guy that's going to, like, put up 40-plus points if John Morant's not playing. So the Lakers' defense was – Fine enough, right? hundred three points from Memphis, I'll take it. But the ninety-three points is just god awful. Um thirteen points from Anthony Davis is just unacceptable. D'Angelo Russell, five points, again, unacceptable. And then we just like really shortened our bench, like I was saying. So like uh Dennis Schroeder had the most outside of rui hachimura Dennis Schroeder had the next most minutes at sixteen minutes in the game. We went over three from three. Um just didn't yeah, didn't really contribute much. Malik Beasley. Went two for four, one hit a three, had seven points. And from a scoring standpoint, that's it. Our our bench scoring was Rui Hachimura with twenty points and Malik Beasley with seven points. And like Malik Beasley and Troy Brown Jr. Unfortunately, are just proving themselves unplayable. And I still don't understand why Darvin Ham insists on playing them in the same rotation. They're like he's just hoping that one of their shots is gonna fall. Which yeah, I'm hoping that too. But man, you gotta like hedge your hedge your bets or something. Like you can't you can't. It just Troy Brown Jr. can hold his hold hold his water defensively. Malik Beasley is a worse defender, but kind of can. But they both just haven't been able to find their shot. They haven't been able to get into a rhythm, and like you just can't play them more minutes, so then they can't find find the rhythm. And even though they're only playing thirteen and eleven minutes, those thirteen and eleven minutes are killing the Lakers. It's just it's it's tough. And again, Anthony Davis was was not good offensively, and D'Angelo Russell was not good offensively. So they're trying to figure something out. Austin Reeves you know, missed seven shots. So, we, you know, it was just a, a night and day difference from game one to game two. And if I'm being honest, like, I was expecting... I was expecting that kind, of, that kind of performance in game one from the Lakers. I was expecting to lose and maybe not things, not have things going offensively. Kind of see what we saw against the Timberwolves in the play-in game, where, like, they just couldn't figure things out. D'Angelo Russell was struggling and, and all these things. And they... Yeah, they had things going in game one. In game two, they did not have things going. And, you know, I don't know how much of this was they expected John Morant to play and they game plan for John Morant playing and then he ended up not playing. And so they were just kind of thrown for a loop there. I talked about in my last podcast episode that they probably are, you know, are needing to game plan for two scenarios, right? One where John Morant plays, one where he doesn't. And they just didn't execute that game plan very well you know the more that the grizzlies throw at the lakers the more they can adjust and learn from it that's why like one loss in a playoff series is not the end of the world although lakers twitter is acting as if lakers lost the series just like they're acting like we won the series after winning game one um losing one game is not the end of the world coming back you know being being the seventh seed coming back from the road tied 1-1 for two home games is a great position to be in if you were to ask me before the series my prediction I probably would have guessed well I would have said a good scenario is Lakers coming back tied 1-1 if we somehow won two games went up 2-0 then we're winning the series is is my mindset and it'll be if we come back down 0-2 then you know it's gonna be tough like it's possible but it's probably going game like seven games in this case like I think Dylan Brooks had some choice words for, you know, talking about LeBron James, saying that, like, he likes to poke bears, say that he's not going to respect someone until they put 40 on him. Oh, that's different crap, right? So he's – I'm sure LeBron James just loves having that kind of motivation. Usually Anthony Davis, after he puts up a stinker of a game like he did last night, he comes out and plays extremely aggressive and, and really and really good. The next game so i expect to have a big game from anthony davis on saturday in game three so i mean I expect big lebron and anthony davis games in the next games because i think the grizzlies are really going to make them mad d'angelo russell after the game was in an interview and the guy interviewing was asking d'angelo russell like you know what are some things as a point guard that you need to change and he's like don't call me a point guard i'm not a point guard on this team i'm just a basketball player don't call me a point guard you know we just all hoop and and whatever and you know people on twitter i feel like are getting kind of concerned about that saying thing that like D'Angelo, d'angelo russell's disgruntled and he's upset and whatever if i were him i'd be upset too not from like a bat not from like a not being a point guard standpoint but just from how he's been playing he had a terrible game against minnesota in the playing game he had a slow start in game one he ended up putting up 19 points and and getting things together but had a slow start in game one and then put up another stinker in game two so if I were him, I'd be pretty frustrated, at the very least, with myself, if I were him. And then, yeah, things are different. This is one. Of, this is a, a pretty unique team in the sense of, like, you have guys that can handle the ball. Austin Reeves can handle the ball. LeBron can handle the ball. De'Angelo Russell can handle the ball. Dennis Schroeder gets playing time. He can handle the ball. Anthony Davis can bring the ball up, you know. Um, there's a lot of guys on this team that can handle the ball and bring the ball up. Even Rui, right? He's got pretty decent handles and stuff. So, um. In that sense, like this is a pretty, probably somewhat a new, somewhat of a new situation for D'Angelo Russell, where it's like he's not the true point guard on this team. I mean, like he is the point guard, but he's not like a true point guard in the sense that he's not like always initiating the offense. He does play off the ball a decent amount, and you know, I feel like his game is like a rhythm game. Right, he likes to take those those uh dribble up, pull up threes, quick like early in the shot clock he's maybe not as much of a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, although he can do it. He has a quick release. You know, he likes trying to, like, kind of finesse people off the dribble, taking people off the dribble and and things like that. So, like, in that sense, he's playing a little bit of a different role where he's maybe off the ball a little bit more, catch-and-shoot a little bit more. And in that sense, maybe he's feeling like that's keeping him from getting into a rhythm, which maybe that's true. Um, And I think that's probably why the Lakers, if you've noticed, the last – I feel like almost every game, but like a hand, the last handful of games, they're running the first play of the game is always a play. I missed the first play of the game in game two, so I, don't, I don't, can't speak on that one. But um, they usually run a play for D'Angelo Russell to get a catch-and-shoot three, where he brings the ball up, passes the ball, kind of runs through some screens, comes around, they get it to him, and he shoots a three. And I feel like that's them trying to like help him get into a rhythm to start the game. Plus, like, if you can get a three to start the game, it's always that's always nice. But I feel like he's just having a hard time getting into a rhythm, and I feel like that those comments were just frustration coming out in that sense. I don't. I feel like D'Angelo Russell, like he is kind of up and down from a chemistry standpoint. This whole run, he's been great for chemistry. You know, he had the whole, the interview with Mike Trudell. He's like, I'm a Lakers fan, Mikey, um, which was like, you know, just funny and like just good vibes and stuff like that. And I think but I think when things are going tough and he's having a tough time at it, he's obviously going to be less fun and playful and those kinds of things. So we just got to get the fun, playful, the fun and playful. D'Angelo Russell back and get him into a rhythm and, and all that stuff. So I think the, uh, they're not in a bad situation. I mean, things could be way worse for the Lakers. It was a terrible game. They just were terrible offensively. It's going to happen. You're, you you can't expect. I feel like some of these Lakers fans on Twitter are like this is their first time watching the Lakers in the playoffs or something. It's like think back to the championship run. We got smoked by Portland and Houston in game 1. If you would have taken anything out of the, that game, you would've been like, "Oh, it's over. Lakers are going to get their <laughs> Lakers are going to lose in four games," you know? Like It's just one loss. If anything, the one loss in a way, I think, helps motivate the Lakers, helps motivate the team, helps, again, you see, like you saw something from them. Obviously, there's questions on if John Morant's going to play in game three now and all these things. But, like, we've seen now the Grizzlies with John Morant. We've seen them without John Morant. We've seen them win without John Morant. We've seen them play well with, with John Morant in game one. So, you know, we've seen a lot already in just two games for. You know, and LeBron's one of the smartest basketball players to ever live. His basketball IQ is off the charts, um, both in-game and from a schematic standpoint, an adjustment standpoint, all that kind of stuff. Do we need LeBron to step up a little more? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, he led the team with 28 points, which was which was much much needed. But he could have done more. He, You know, I feel like he's kind of trying to let Anthony Davis take over. He's kind of kind of trying to pick and choose a spots and only take over if absolutely needed. He's almost acting as if he's like a break glass for emergency kind of player right now. And again, I wouldn't say it's an emergency, but we definitely need him to step up. And, and I say that when he had 28 points, right? That That's crazy. He like, he's putting, I f- you almost get the vibe during the game that he's putting as little effort out there as possible while also giving the Lakers a chance to win. Like if he could just dig a little deeper, and again, I know he's like 38 years old in his 20th season, right? But um, if he could just dig a little bit deeper and just take over stretches of a game, Lakers would just be in a better standpoint. I mean, basically just the way that Anthony Davis does it. If Anthony Davis is struggling, you need LeBron to step up. And I think we kept trying to get Anthony Davis in it, and he just kept not getting in it. And, you know, it just became too late and Lakers couldn't make a run. So uh, just a, yeah, overall tough tough um tough game too, and you know I really hope Dylan Brooks stepped up and or didn't step up I really hope Dylan Brooks's comments will make LeBron step up and want to just destroy the Grizzlies in game three uh, I, I have a feeling that we're going to get a good LeBron and Anthony Davis game in game three and then you know jury's still out on the John Moran situation the fact that they held him out of game two seems kind of like it's a bigger deal and they were even trying to make it out to seem before game two because he was like, they're saying it's a game time decision and all these things, but yeah, I don't know. So, I think the um, you know, one loss it's not again. The Lakers played as bad as they possibly could play in game two, and there was still ch- a chance late in the fourth quarter that the Lakers could have made a run if the shots started falling. Now, they didn't start falling. The Grizzlies missed a lot of shots. The Lakers had a lot of opportunities to go down. They just couldn't, you know, it was either a turnover or a missed shot. Or just, you know, it was just a mess overall. Lakers played almost as bad as they possibly could play. You know, again, when Rui is your second leading scorer, not that you have problems because, I mean, he was the leading scorer in game one. But along with him being the leading scorer, you had LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves all with 20-plus points. In this case you have LeBron with twenty eight points, Rui with twenty points, and then nothing else. Your next higher score after that was Anthony Davis with thirteen points. And then Austin Reeves with twelve. So just the offense was just tough. I mean, and a lot of it was just shots not falling, you know? A lot of it was was D'Angelo Russell just easy things like floaters, and it wasn't even necessarily three point shots. Like, I mean, he did go one for five from three, but like six of those shots were layups or floaters or things that like normally they could they'll those will fall same goes for austin reeves right he only took three threes so nine nine of his shots well let me, uh, he, took, he made one he went one for three so four for nine so he missed five shots that were like you know jumpers or layups or whatever so i'm gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna jump into game three So for game three, I mean, I feel like a lot of it is simple stuff. You know, like it's not – basketball not a difficult sport. I think a lot of it is just – a lot of the problems in game two were shots not falling. I mean, there were some schematic things in the sense of like Anthony Davis was getting doubled. We were getting too far into the shot clock where like Anthony Davis would have the ball, get the ball with like, you know, 10 seconds on the shot clock, then get double teamed, then pass it off. By the time someone's getting the ball, there's four seconds left on the shot clock, and we're forcing up a bad shot. So, it's not just missed shots. A lot of it is just bad clock management, bad shot clock management, bad, um, you know, just having to force shots late in the shot clock, which, you know, when you're not, when you're trying to rush a shot, you're not going to, the chances of you making it are probably a lot lower than if you, you know, run a nice play, get an open shot with, say, 10 seconds left in the shot clock. So, um, overall, like... I think that the fixes the Lakers need for game three are not difficult. The double teaming of Anthony Davis is something that the Lakers have seen throughout the season, especially when LeBron was out, right? Because LeBron, you don't have to worry about as much. If he's not, well, if he's not playing, you don't have to worry about LeBron and then just force the ball out of Anthony Davis's hands. If you're any team, you'd rather have D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, whoever, you'd rather have one of them step up and beat you than let Anthony Davis put up 45 points. Now with Jaron Jackson Jr., like they kind of they didn't really double him as much in game one, which and again he didn't have a huge game. He had like twenty one points or something in game one. But they kind of let Triple J go kind of more one on one with Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis destroyed him. He just was good all around. Good defensively, good offensively, and the Lakers won the game. And so they kind of switched things up where they would put like Tillman on Anthony Davis or someone else on Anthony Davis. And again, they kind of do the same thing that the Lakers do with Anthony Davis where they they don't have them go one-on-one. They let each other kind of roam on defense and stuff. And, you know, it just puts Anthony Davis out of his comfort zone when he's being double teamed like that. You know, he kind of forces something out, and then it's hard to get the ball back because, you know, I think you have to get Anthony Davis the ball earlier in the shot clock, right? Get it to him right away with 19 seconds on the shot clock. If they're going to throw a double team at him, then that gives him time to make a good read and then readjust, maybe even get the ball back after the double team's left. Then he gets a one-on-one situation. And even in his one-on-one situations in game two, he just missed shots and it was just kind of a mess. And I think one of the biggest factors going into game three honestly will be the home court advantage. This is the first time this team, this is the first time a LeBron team has played in the playoffs in front of A full house of Lakers fans you know back in the 2021 playoffs against the Suns it was still the COVID rules and stuff where I think there was max like 8,000 people in the stadium you know we're gonna have a full like 19 plus thousand people there Lakers fans are Lakers fans got the Bill Simmons approval like in his one of his latest podcast episodes where he was like Lakers fans are the are legit, you know. They're not some like fake like celebrity. It's not some fake celebrity situation with Lakers games. You know, Lakers fans are legit. They're loud. They're impressive. You know, they're some of the best fans in the NBA. He said, you know, not a quote, but some he said something along those lines. So, um, I, the house is gonna be rocking on Saturday night. I think that's gonna give, like, D'Angelo Russell plays or has played really well at home, right? He loves getting the crowd fired up. He loves playing well. I mean he played bad against Minnesota at home. But in in general, like he the he feeds off the crowd. He feeds off that energy. He gives that energy energy back. He he pumps up his teammates and all that stuff. If we can get that D'Angelo Russell, then I feel good about the Lakers, right? Because if D'Angelo Russell's cooking, if LeBron and James gets mad about Dylan Brooks's comments, if um Anthony Davis gets mad about his performance in game 2 and and comes out and plays well like I was saying like he typically plays well in a game after he's put up a stinker of a game the the game before then things are looking good. Again, obviously we still have to execute and play well defensively, right? But we have two two games in a row of of decent of pretty good defensive games from the Lakers. Like I think we gave up 112 points in game 1, which is, like, you know, it's not great, but it's not not bad, right? Like, the Lakers give out free tacos. The Lakers give out free tacos if the Lakers keep their opponent under 111. So I think that that's because 111 is, like, around probably league average. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. Like, if you can hold a team to 112, that's decent, especially when the Lakers put up 128 like they did in, in game one. Um, In game two, we held them to 103 points. And again, John Morant's not playing, right? So like, their their offense is limited without John Morant, even though they do play well. Maybe they just play better defensively without John Morant, but their offense still struggles. So if the Lakers can keep up the good defense like they've been doing, if Anthony Davis keeps playing lights-out defense and then can get the offense rolling, get a mad LeBron James, you get a hyped-up D'Angelo Russell, you get a, a mad Anthony Davis, an aggressive Anthony Davis offensively, then I like our chances in game three. I, you know, if we come back home and lose in game three, obviously, like, that's, okay, you lose two games. Now you got to kind of figure, really dig down and figure things out because if you go down 3-1, then it's just a snowball effect and it's just tough. But, you know, if the Lakers can can come out and, and this is kind of – it's funny. This is a kind of uncharted territory in the sense of, like, usually LeBron teams lose game one, I feel like. You know, that happened against Portland, like I mentioned earlier. That happened against Houston, like I mentioned earlier. And I think it happened against Phoenix in the following season in, in, round, in the first round where we lost game one and Phoenix came back. I think that's how it was. We came back tied 1-1. Lakers won the first home game 2-1. And then Anthony Davis got hurt and the series was basically over from that point. So um, we're coming back one one again. If we can get you get a win at home, go up two one and again and then you get another chance to step on their throats, right? You don't you don't want to let them even the series, but like you get a chance to like I said, a chance to step on their throats in game two, didn't do it, come back, have a chance to go up two one and step on their throats in in, in game four at home go up 3-1 at that point you know series is not I mean it's basically over at that point if you go up 3-1 so Lakers are there I still see the Lakers being in the driver's seat in this situation especially again with things up in the air with John Morant for the Grizzlies like they're kind of trying to figure things out maybe John Morant if he tries to play but isn't fully healthy like maybe that holds them back maybe they feel like they're just better off keeping it like making sure he's 100% healthy before he starts playing again. You know, who knows what they're going to do. All the Lakers can do is keep can is to handle what they can control, which is putting out good effort defensively and and you know, ex- executing offensively and staying aggressive offensively, attacking the basket. They they did not attack the basket quite as well in game 2. The free throw discrepancy was what was the free throw discrepancy? I feel like the refs The refereeing was not ideal for the Lakers in game two, (laughs) to say the least. And, you know, as a Lakers fan, you know, we get flack for that stuff anyway. So how can we really complain about it? But um, the Lakers shot 21 free throws. They went 16 for 21. The Oh, again, another even two games in a row where the free throws have been even. The Grizzlies went 16 for 21 as well, and the Lakers went 16 for 21. Really the big story from – a shooting standpoint is a three-point shooting. Lakers were seven for 26 from three, shooting 26, basically 27%. The Grizzlies didn't shoot well either, but they shot 30% from three, 42% from the field. Lakers shot 41% from the field, and then we had the same 76.2% from the free-throw line. And, you know, the Grizzlies got 89 shot shot-offs, shots off, and the Lakers only got 85 shots off. So, again, turnovers. Lakers had... 12 turnovers in the game. Grizzlies had 10 turnovers. Like it's kind of crazy. It was a pretty evenly played game from like a shooting, turnover, all that kind of aspect. But the Lakers still lost by 10. And just again, just the free throw shooting and the or sorry the three point shooting and and the overall field goal percentage and stuff was the difference in the game. So. If the Lakers can just get a few more shots to fall, yeah, the Grizzlies hit 38 shots. Lakers hit 35 shots. So uh, some of those, they hit four more threes, you know, th- whatever. Like, it was, like it, when you look at the stats, the fact that the Lakers were even down by 20 points in this game was kind of crazy. So in, in game three, right, it's just like you kind of got to hope the shots fall, but you got to also execute offensively in order to get open shots, not late in the shot clock. Lakers had a few shot clock violations in game two. And again, kind of like, just like what I was mentioning about the Anthony Davis, right? He gets the ball with 10 seconds left. He gets double teamed. That's not a whole lot of time to figure something out. You got to get him the ball earlier on. Um, Run the pick and roll, right? Have D'Angelo Russell run the pick pick and roll. Have Austin Reeves run the pick and roll. Have LeBron run the pick and roll. You have literally three guys in your starting lineup that can effectively run the pick and roll with Anthony Davis. Just keep switching it up you know, do a little headhunting with LeBron, right? Like have the Grizzlies switch to get like Luke Kennard on LeBron or, you know, or just have LeBron destroy Dylan Brooks, either one. But the Lakers have a ton of options offensively and, you know, it just, sometimes you have a night where the shots don't fall. That's part of the situation with game two, but there's things that the Lakers can do to, to get better looks and get Anthony Davis a little more involved, get... D'Angelo Russell a little more involved. Um, and then you got to just hope that either Darvin Ham moves away from the Rui, LeBron, Beasley, Troy Brown, Schroeder lineup and kind of mixes that up a little bit more. Or if he's going to keep playing them, you, then you just got to pray that Beasley and Troy Brown can start hitting threes. Because, I mean, Rui's playing well, LeBron's playing well, but Schroeder, Beasley, and Troy Brown Jr. Have still yet to show up in two games, so you have three guys, three or five guys on the floor playing. Again, they're not playing huge minutes, but the those ten to twelve minutes that they're playing are just absolutely killing the Lakers. So hopefully, he moves away from that. It would be nice to see Mo Bamba even just just try to get out there, right? Like maybe with that lineup, instead of Beasley and Troy Brown in at the same time, maybe you. Go Schroeder, Troy Brown, LeBron, Rui, and Mobamba. Because then you get size, right? You can just throw Mobamba up against Jaron Jackson Jr., even if he fouls him a few times, right? It's like, okay, just get physical with him. Mobamba can spread the floor. He's not, I mean, he's not a lights out three point shooter, but give him a chance. You know, maybe, maybe he can knock something down. Like, it's not like Troy Brown Jr. or Malik Beasley have been knocking it down themselves. So, I don't know, I just don't understand why we're choosing to just let Sharon Jackson Jr. destroy us against that unit and get, you know, they play 10 minutes, he's going down and scoring. He's probably scoring most of his points (laughs) in those minutes. So that doesn't make sense to me from just a basketball standpoint, from my perspective. But I'm also not an NBA head coach or even an NBA assistant coach or an NBA anything. So I'm just a fan that's analyzing it based on my own basketball knowledge and experience. And usually when you have a guy that's dominating, that's, you know, 6'10", or however tall Jaron Jackson Jr. is, um, usually you, 6'11", usually you, you know, make sure you don't put a guy that's 6'8 on him when he's destroying you down low. That's just usually how you play basketball. I know there's teams that play small ball, and they're, they're, you know, willing to give up those two points if it means that you have guys that are you know can spread the floor and hit threes but <laughs> Blake Beasley and Troy Brown Jr. and Dennis Routley, they're not hitting the threes so what good does it do you anyway it just puts the Lakers into a hole and it just it's tough so I would love to see that unit stop getting playing time um, maybe throw Mo Bamba out there for a little bit more, get a little, get a little more experience and, and, and whatnot. And I'm not, and I don't even think that he's like, maybe the Lakers will still suck as bad, but at least you're making Jaron Jackson Jr. work a little harder. And, and that's like all I'm asking for. It's just the buckets are too easy. The, there's a point where like the, the paint points discrepancy between the Lakers and the, and, and the Grizzlies was just, was, was massive. So I'm excited for game three. I'm excited to see what the Lakers can do. And thank you so much for listening and go Lakers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lakers Carpool. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it on social media with your friends. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most places where you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening and go Lakers. seconds remaining, Denver a foul to give, Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in, here's Davis, 4-3 in the win, oh it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers!